Welcome, friends, to the Enduring Gifts of Marvin Gaye podcast, brought to you by your 26-year listening veteran, Jessica. Join me as we celebrate these enduring gifts, the songs of Marvin Gaye. In each episode, I will share insights about the music and recount life experiences tied to it. I'm hoping to inspire you to take a first or your 500 first listen to these songs that are truly the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. Let's do a little episode. I don't know how long this will take, um, but to discuss acquiring the book Divided Soul, The Life of Marvin Gaye. That's what it's titled. I got my hands on this book when I was probably about 15. I really, I'm struggling to remember how I became aware of the fact that the book existed. Perhaps it's in somewhere noted in the Marvin Gaye collection. You know, like this was definitely before the internet. This is definitely before just like a lot of online searching ability. But somehow um, I become aware of the fact that this book exists. And so I really, really, really want my hands on it because by now too, I've been about a year into my Marvin Gaye music collection. And so there's definitely this great need for more information on just who Marvin Gaye was as a person, right? And so when it was known that there was a a biography that existed on him, a full book dedicated to him, it was like, oh, yes, 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 I have got to get my hands on this. I'm sorry, I'm looking through um, the Marvin Gaye collection booklet here. It says, David Ritz is the biographer of Marvin Gaye, Divided Soul. And so that was where I saw that the book existed. So what I will say, and where I live, there is this humongous, I don't know if it actually still exists. Oh, I would be so sad if it doesn't. But I have a sneaking suspicion that possibly it does not exist anymore. A massive, humongous, just a bookstore that was on you know what this bookstore was like if you've ever seen that movie you've got mail with uh meg ryan and and tom hanks where he's coming into town and he's building this just bohemoth bookstore that's gonna threaten her little mom and pop shop bookstore that's what this bookstore was like in my town but it wasn't like a nationwide chain and there wasn't a whole bunch of them it was like here and not in my town in my state And so, uh, very rarely, but we would, we were a book reading family back in those days when I was a child, I actually used to read books for pleasure. I, I don't read books at all anymore, but back in those days, I used to do it. There used to be a little ballet series for little girls. And I used to read those books and it would be like, so absolutely freaking cool when we could go down to this behemoth bookstore and I could go dig through, they had like a kid's section. It was so cool. So it was definitely geared towards kids. And I could just go to the kid's section and just go dig for my books. And so when I became aware that this book existed, I began looking for it just probably the same way. Well, okay. So places that I used to go buy my discs back in the day. And did I ever say this that I found out finally? I just remembered it. I just remembered the name of this other place. This competition to Best Buy was a place called Media Play. Okay. So this is back in the day. Media Play went out of business a long time ago. But they just kind of also showed up for business one day, just out of the blue, right off the bat, coming in with some strong competition to the inventory that Best Buy had. That's where I told you I went in the very first time I ever saw a media play. It was like a brand new store. It had just been come up out of nowhere. It's like I didn't even see this thing being built. Just one day we were in another part of town and there was this store and it said videos 
music and books, right? So we walked in. And so we'd be places like that where now when I knew this book existed on Marvin Gaye, I would really be interested in trying to go find it on the shelf in any store that also sold books, right? And I would go and it was never there, never there, never there. And so finally I was known. I was like, hmm, okay. I'm going to have to get a trip down to this behemoth, huge bookstore that exists here because I'm, that's where I'm going to find it. I'm not going to find it anyplace else but there. But this thing, like three, four levels, just books of all kinds, right? So I was like, okay, this is going to be the only place I'm going to find that book. So one time we go down there and I'm looking, like I go to like a biography section, right? And I'm looking on the shelves and I can't find the book there either. So I become a little bit defeated. But of course, if they've got all these books, they've also got like a little desk that you can go up to and just say, hey, I'm looking for this book. So I go over and I tell the lady that I'm looking for this book. And she's able to look through the store and she confirms no, they don't sell the book in the store. But I could special order it. Well, that's the way I got this book back in the day I had to special order it. It was like, yeah, it's not being distributed anymore by the publisher or whatever. So we can order a copy for you. And it'll take like, I remember she was like, it'll take like six weeks to get here, you know, and then uh, we'll just go ahead and get it. And I don't know if I had to pay for it up front or if I paid for it when it got there, but maybe I had to pay for it up front for them to go through all the changes that they were going to have to go through to order it for me. And I just looked at the back of it. It said $13.95. So this had to have been a little thing where it was like, okay, discs, disc, discs, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. I had 20 bucks, right? And so I could afford this book. So I, I bought this book. So I remember I had actually, oh my goodness. I know that I actually still to this day have a little card that they gave me. They ordered the book for me. And I walked out with this little card with all of the information of what they were ordering for me on it. I'm looking for a box that I own that I keep all my little keepsakes in. Hold on one second. Yes. Okay. So I go to that little desk. I speak to this lady. She's got to look everything up. And I walk out of the store with this little card that was just kind of confirming the name of the book that I had ordered it and my name and my address, it's handwritten. My name and my address is handwritten on here. The title of the book is handwritten. And actually, so I have this thing. When is it dated? 1994, July 21st, 1994. It says second notice. So I can't believe that well, I do. I can too believe this bookstore was not down the street. Like I said, it was in the state that I lived in. So it wasn't like just whenever this book would have come in, like everything could have been dropped. And like I said, adults and parents could have gotten in the car and we had to go far to get to the store. And so I can see that possibly I, I obviously had to get two notices about it before I was able to get a ride down there to go pick it up. But I believe that there was kind of some urgency around having to get to the store because I feel like they told me that, look, we'll order it. Maybe that's, maybe I didn't pay for it yet. We're, we'll order it. We're only going to order this one copy of this book, right? Which is going to bring this one copy of this book into our store inventory. And <clears throat> we're special ordering it for you. So when it gets here, we're going to let you know that it's here. You need to come down and pick it up and pay for it. But if you don't, we're going to put it out on the shelf someplace in the store, right? And then anybody that would come across it could be able to buy it. So, you know, get your ass down here and come pick up this book. So it says second notice, title, divided soul. Okay, but hold on. Let me go back. When I just said 94, yes, that makes me 15. We are happy to inform you that the book you ordered has arrived. Please ask for it at the reserve desk located on the second floor. If you have already received your book, please disregard this notice. Thank you. Then it's got its little hours that it's open. And I see they have my address off by one digit, but I still got it, obviously. Oh, I said I kept this little thing from 1994. It's got a little, you know how much the stamp cost back then, people? Oh, 19 cents. <laughs> the stamp is 19 cents. <laughs> okay, so 
Yes. Then, right, when it was like second note, oh, now, come on, guys. Somebody's got to take me down to the store. I have to get my book. So I get down there, right? I get the book. I feel like they wrapped it up in brown paper so they had it taped up for me. So I remember like having to open that, rip it off to get to the book itself. And it's not hardback, but the book is, let's just look at this really quick. Okay. The last page of the index says page 367. For some reason, I always felt like this book was 500 pages long. But here's the five. Here's where five comes into play. I read this book in five days. The book itself, let's see, before we get into index and stuff, where's the last page of the story here? Um, last page of the story is page 340. So I got this book. This was summertime. I just saw July, right? July, 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 summertime. I'm off from school. 15 for five days. The only thing that I did for 20 plus hours a day was read this book. And I, I can guarantee you that from what happened on one of the five days, it was after five o'clock in the morning. Now I had, and I feel like I was getting up a little bit earlier in the mornings. So I'm a champion sleeper to this day. I don't have no kids. I already told you that. So, you know, and how I said my lifestyle is because I like to sleep. Okay. I will not sleep when I'm dead. I'll be sleeping right now and when I'm dead too, but I love to sleep. I've been a champion sleeper and definitely teenage years is when I started to become a champion at that. So I have always been about a good sleep in. Okay. And definitely in those days. And then in those days and in summertime, shit. And this was before I had to have a job. I was a little bit too young to get a job. My sister had to go. She didn't have to. Let me back that up. I'll even edit that out. No, I won't edit it out. I'll let, I'll let you know that how much I just slipped up on what I said. My sister went out of her way when she was 15 to go get a work permit so that she could start working. Okay. And my sister has worked where she works for, my sister works at Walmart. My sister went and got a work permit when she was 15 so that she could start working at Walmart. She wanted her own money and she just wanted her own job where she could just go get that shit. And so she started working at Walmart when she was 15. She still works there to this day. She's getting really close to being able to retire from there too. My sister is younger than me. I'm 40 and my sister is younger than me. And she's getting real close to being able to retire from Walmart because she's been working there since she was 15. And just sis, if you ever hear this, those motherfuckers still don't give you credit for a full year that you worked there. Every time that my sister and I have a conversation about how long she's been working at Walmart, just by physically doing the math, it comes to a certain number of years. And every time she tells me how long Walmart recognizes that she's been working there, it's always one year less. And I can't ever get her to understand that they give her credit for one year less than she's actually been working there. I know it's probably because she was an underage employee and they didn't really consider her like a real employee. She was like a temporary, like a seasonal employee or whatever. And so they don't grandfather that time in for her. But she always, I'm like, you've been working there longer than they say you have been. She don't ever seem to want to like think about that. <laughs> she works at Walmart. Like she'll be the first one to explain to you what that's about. Okay. Every YouTube video about Walmart, my sister sees that every day. Woo. My sister is a champion, but Christmas time, Walmart every year. Ooh, been doing that for 20 plus years. <laughs> my sister is an OG, dude. So anyway, uh, good gosh, how I got off on that tangent, but just that, um, in the, five days. Oh, I was saying, you know, when I was 15, I didn't have a job. I was too young. I was not motivated enough to go out and get a work permit. Okay. I wasn't doing that. I was babysitting. That's how I was making my money. So, um, but July, heart of July, 15 summertime, pretty much would have been sleeping in. But I know when I had this book, I was getting up earlier in the day. And then one of the, and I, it, I read it for, and finished the book in five days. Now for me, that's monumental because I did explain 
And I, I explained two things. When I was a kid, I used to read for pleasure. I don't read at all anymore nowadays. And I'm going to explain to you why. And I don't give a fuck about anybody knowing this about me. Um, did a, a really long stint of pot smoking in my 20s. Okay. This is again, like how I told you, my lifestyle has been conducive. Didn't nobody need to be having no kids when that was the way that I was living my life. I was partying every day. And how it says brain cells get burned. Well, okay, that happened then. Okay. And a lot of them got burned and went away and they never come back. Right. So it's just like reading, um, is not, yeah, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know why it's coupled with that. And just for the fact that reading just became such a job when I became in high school and up through college. Like I told you, I really excelled in school. So I was always in advanced placement classes. I was always learning on a little bit harder, stronger, faster pace than a lot of my peers. And that just drives you a lot harder. You got a lot more volume of work that's going on on a daily basis. And so when I was in junior high is really when they started to amp up the reading assignments and we would come home and like in a night, like tonight. And when you come back tomorrow to discuss the next, we need you to have read like 80 pages. And these books would be, I'm like, fuck. But so like once reading became such a job like that, it took any type of pleasure out of it. That's really the primary thing that makes it that I don't fucking, I don't do books. I'm not going to read a Kindle. And I'm not going to flip through a hard, like, physical book. I, I just don't read books anymore. Um, plus, I burned a lot of brain cells, okay? Don't do it anymore. Personal decision. It was just simply, honestly, it, it, that was for the decade of the 20s. That was the only time, in my opinion, that that was okay. I just kind of feel like for your 20s, that is your fuck-up decade. Do your life and fuck up and make your mistakes. But you kind of need to close a door on that chapter. And then from that point forward, you need to be making better decisions than that. And just for me, it simply became a fact of like me thinking, hmm, when I, like, especially if by the time that I got to be as old as I am now, would it be a good look, a cute look to still be getting high every day the way that I used to back then. And it was like, no, I can't do that. That's not going to be a good look. It's not going to be cute. It's not going to be cute to be old and be getting high. So it's just like, yeah, it just, just for me, it just became mm, something that's going to have to be rear view, you know? Uh, and so that's that, you know, no, I guess I was about to say no judgment, but I guess I kind of do have a little bit of judgment. Cause like I just said, like I, it's not a cute look. <laughs> Uh, 20s, fine. Like I said, live your 20s, fuck up in your 20s, and then let's move on, right? Let's get a little bit more sense and let's move on from there. But, uh, like living the way we were in our 20s at 40, not cute. So just couldn't be doing it anymore for myself. And just honestly, one day, just in a day, I was in the middle of smoking a joint and I was like, you know what? I think this is it. And I put it down and, that little half of a piece of joint that I had left lasted me for about nine more months. Just every now and then when it just was a really critical, urgent, I need to just get a little mellowness going on. I would like that little half of a piece of joint up that lasted me for nine more months. But then since then, I have never, ever been in possession of my own supply since then. So, you know. Just it is a true thing, though. Brain cells get destroyed in that process. And there you have it. So it's just like reading. It's not I don't want to do that just for so many reasons. But at 15 in summertime, a book on Marvin Gaye, a 367 page book on Marvin Gaye. Uh, yeah, that's about to be destroyed. Okay, what did I say? 367 to 367 from first page to the last page of the index, but like a 340-ish uh, page book of context. 300 and, yeah, 340 pages exactly. Uh, that got devoured, that got destroyed in five days. And it was about 20 hours plus a day of reading the book because one of those five days, it was five o'clock in the morning. 
and the sun was starting to come up. The sun was mostly up. And my dad came into my room and he was like, dude, what the fuck? He was like, well, I don't even know if you're like, if it's worth trying to tell you to go to sleep at this point. But he was like, what are you doing? (laughs) He'd been reading this book all day. Everybody went to sleep. You're in your bed. But I didn't realize that you're just like in here with the light on still reading this damn book. Like, and so it was like, I don't even know if he was trying to tell me about sleep or anything, but he just really needed to understand like why I was still reading the book, like from all day long. That had been the only thing I did all that day. To where at like five o'clock in the morning, he was needing to come and ask me like why I was just still reading the book. Well, it's like, okay, because that's the reason why I'm 40 years old today and I'm doing a podcast on Marvin Gaye. Okay. Like that's why. (laughs) So that what else would I have been doing, but doing it like that? And you know what? Right here, when I just now said that, I want to just acknowledge something because I want to just share with you like how excited I actually am about the possibility, dude, that people that are listening to this are on this level with me. That would be like the most amazing thing just about as far as like community goes and like mindedness goes that I've ever experienced in my life. You know what I mean? I've already explained how childhood and just growing up was a very um, ostracized, just racially abused experience. So I've never like really had just a connection to peers um, in childhood. When I, when I got to college, I did have a really close group of friends because I it was like the biggest uh, group of black people that I was ever around in school. And just to let you know that statistic though, let me, let me break that down to you. About 2% of my school's pop 20 plus thousand student body was black. But that was the largest group of black people in an educational situation that I had ever been around. Oh my gosh, I made so many friends. But prior to that, right? So that's just like about wrapping up school, right? It was the first time that you're surrounded by people that are, that look like you and that aren't going to call you some type of a racial slur. Um, I just have, it has just primarily not been my experience that I, uh, have a peer group that I relate to in any type of a way, like basically on anything. And so just would like to share with you guys, like, I am so proud and excited that I get to have these conversations with you. And I think that it has to be because you're on my level. So a couple of episodes back, you know, I explained that I, you know, I'm fan number one. I don't want to offend anybody like that because actually I hope that that does offend somebody. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just so proud. I'm so proud that you guys are like my people. And so, yeah, there doesn't need to be any type of a title claiming going on about that. I really hope and I really do get the sense that actually, you know what? Maybe I'm not fan number one. (laughs) I just don't know what that even means, though. Like how your life is just consumed with Marvin Gaye. You were like my best friend. <laughs> like we are like just, yeah, we're really on the same level. But I've never really in person encountered that with anybody. So, you know, it's very, very fun for me just knowing that you are probably right there with me. So, yeah, I mean, like, yes, this book, I was reading this book 20 hours a day, okay? Uh, I was reading every single word. I'm probably more of a slower reader, but I got through this book in five days because that's all that I did all day long was read this book. So, um, yeah, this book just really tells a lot about the life of Marvin Gaye. It's, and it does contain a lot of, hold on. Yeah. Quotation marks. You know what I mean? And I will, 
get to a place where I'm going to approach this book from how I view it today, but I want to stay right now. I'm going to stay in where I was viewing it at that time. I was so young, right? I was 15. So it was just, I was getting an understanding of Marvin's life and his career and where thing, where he started and, and this happened at Motown and, and this record came out and this was what was going on in Marvin's career. And this is what was going on in Marvin's personal life. And this is when Marvin met Jan. And this is when things, you know, became, you know, about that relationship. And then this is when the children were born. And this is when, you know, a lot of complications and, and money problems and, and drug problems came into play. And then this is when, you know, he got, uh, removed himself from that situation and went to Europe, but that didn't necessarily make things better for a while. Like things actually probably got much worse. And then, you know, there became a, a point in time where things just became, uh, kind of relieved and he was just rejuvenating himself and, um, physically healing and spiritually healing and I feel like uh re-inspired by his gift and re-tapping into his gift with new gusto and began creating new music and you know he just felt good about that so yeah this book tells the story and it is you know from start to finish and it's got a lot of pictures. Like I explained, this is where I very first ever saw Jan, um, which was just such a, something that I had so much curiosity about. I had not seen Jan yet. So just think about that. Like I've had the song Jan for a year. Okay. So wait, the, July. Yes. If it was like July of the year before when I was 14, when I first got exposed to the Marvin Gaye collection, well then for a year, right? July of nine, the next year, did I say July of 94? It was July of 93 when I was 14. And then July of 94, I got the book. Um, for that year, I've definitely, I would say the thing, probably the thing the most that I had become curious about was what did Jan look like? What did Jan look like? And like I said, this is pre the internet. This is pre just getting online, doing a Google, Google search and finding a picture of her. Like that doesn't, no, I don't even think we have a computer in my house like that yet. So there really is just this curiosity and there has been no uh, resources available to get a picture. And then, like I said, I and actually, yes, you can. I was like on the side of the book, you can see that there's some pictures and you can. You kind of have to like pull the pages down a little bit. But yes, now I'm at the section of pictures. It doesn't really jump out. They, they jump out more in Jan's book. I actually have a hard copy version of Jan's book and you can... Uh, yeah, you can more clearly see the section where the pictures are because they did a really nice job. I do like this touch on Jam's book. The pictures are on like glossy paper. They're like actually very high quality pictures. It's just as far as like the paper that they're on. They're different paper than the, the paper of the, the actual text of the book. But yeah, that just kind of opened up this deeper connection so you know it took about a year in but then to just get this deeper connection to Marvin to um see a lot that I hadn't seen yet it was like wow dude okay and uh yeah so this book is definitely a really cool element to add into your knowledge of Marvin Gaye on a personal level beyond the music. The music is a great exposure to Marvin on a personal level, no matter what. I have explained that before. He creates and releases and gives from his soul. The The music is also very personal. That whole journey that I just took you through and was like, oh, times are getting a little bit more difficult. Listen to the music of that time frame. You, you understand, you, Marvin's telling you what's going on. Um, but yeah, just to have some more in-depth knowledge around the life, uh, aside from just the music is going to just create that deeper level connection with them. Um, so yeah. And then when you kind of think about it again, like I said, it, my dad comes in wanting to know why at five o'clock in the morning, am I still reading this book when now I've definitely been reading the book for 12 
uh, probably nine hours. So 12 and nine, right? That's how many hours now I've been reading this book. I can't do that math that quick. What is <laughs> 12 and nine is not, it's, uh, yeah, it's however much that adds up to 21. Smoked a lot of pot, dude. <laughs> uh, the brains, they're gone. They're gone. Um, but it's why it, that was connect, that was creating, this book was creating that connection that, that was getting established at that point. The connection was already pretty deep. It had been going on for about a year up to that point. But at this point, this connection was just going to another level. That was just happening. You know, like this is why I think about the babies, right? They have to take a little nap because their bodies are still growing. Like even they're born, they're out of you, but they're still developing, right? That's why they sleep so much when they're first born. They're still developing. That sleep is about allowing them to develop as they get to be little toddlers. My little man right now, my sister tells me this one day. <laughs> I call her and we're talking and I'm only hearing baby boy, baby, baby, baby boy, just kind of cooing in the background from time to time. She and I are having a long conversation and it's pretty interrupted. And so then that lets me know I'm like, at a certain point, I say to her that I haven't heard our little toddler guy making any noise. And she's like, oh yeah, she's like, he's taking a nap. She was like, he acted a fool right before he went down for his nap. <laughs> And so she's like, so that means he's probably going to sleep till about seven o'clock. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, the life, dude. And so then recently we saw each other uh, too for a get together. And she was saying that, you know, she'd try and get there on time. She's like, it's all going to depend on little man's nap. Because she's like, you know, I can't, I put him in there, but he sits around and he plays for a little bit and then he, he conks out. And I was like, I love the life, right? Just getting a little afternoon playtime in and then uh, now I'll just kick off and take a nap. Or, you know, if I'm going to act a fool before I take my nap, then I just kind of get to sleep it off for four hours. But why are they sleeping like that? Their little bodies are still growing. They're having like little growth spurts. Like their bodies are like actually physically growing a little bit longer and taller, right? Like things are developing. It's deep. It's deeply developing. It's forming them to like next levels, right? That's what was happening when I was reading this book. This book was taking this connection with Marvin to a, the level that it's at right now. The level that it's at is like, I was reading this book until five o'clock in the morning because I was 15, 30 years later. No, I'm not that old. <laughs> I can't do that. 25 years later. 25 years later, I was going to be doing a weekly, about weekly podcast on Marvin Gaye. Okay. Like this is happening right now. This is, this is developing right now. And I, it, it I, if you didn't come in here right now and interrupt me at five o'clock and make me feel a little off because I'm still reading this book at five o'clock, I'd have been reading this book until probably about nine o'clock this morning with no interruptions. And that's just what happened. You know what I mean? Like it's on this level. This is what this is about. Okay. And so I just really enjoy that. It's probably pretty possible that, you know, these riding and dying people that are tuning into this are on the level too. get the book. I would suggest it. Um, it's helpful. I will just say this. It's helpful. Actually, um, I'm trying to think when is a time recently that I reread this book. I feel like I got this book one time and I opened it up to, okay, this book has parts. Okay. And I probably, I got the book one time recently. I would say within the past three years, I got this book one time and I opened it up to part three. Because for some reason, and I don't, I don't know why I needed this information, but I did. I needed some information, a refresh on information about Marvin from part three of the book. And I reread that. And part three is very heart wrenching. Part three is a very hard part of the book to read, but it's an important part of the book to read, right? You know why it's hard to read is because I, I can probably almost guarantee you this, why part three would be hard for any of the audience here to read. 
if you're a part of this audience, you probably, and I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to try and exclude anybody. If you, if this doesn't apply to you, congratulations, because you're very unique and you're very much knowing what you want to know about in life. But most likely, if you're a part of this community, you were alive when Marvin Gaye was alive. And if you were alive when Marvin Gaye was alive, even if you were as young alive as I was, I was three years old when Marvin Gaye freshly just attacking the airwaves was in my presence. And that very much connected me and gave me a knowledge of him from the time of three until I was five when he passed away. If you were alive when Marvin Gaye was alive and you knew who Marvin Gaye was, you experienced the trauma of the death of Marvin Gaye, right? That you, that happened. You have your own personal experience with the trauma that that caused. So part three of this book is a little bit difficult because it's going to, it makes you rawly feel your own emotions around the loss of Marvin Gaye. It, it's a, it's a deep, part of the experience of Marvin Gaye, but I refuse to focus on that. Marvin Gaye lives with me every single day to this day. I choose to keep him alive like that. Uh, I just, I'm going to give you an example and I will do, I still need to do an episode on this song, but I'm going to explain to you like how Marvin keeps me alive. Uh, so I had some really difficult, just personal relationship shit that kind of happened within the past couple of years. And that is, you know what, if that person would at all ever come across this, that is in no way to give that motherfucker any kind of an ego boost. Like it was about him. Actually, what he exposed me to was so many internal issues that I have just had ingrained in my life just based on the, my life. You know what I mean? And that's everybody. Every issue that you have ingrained in your life is based on your life, right? That's not to say that, you know, my story trumps yours, yours trumps mine, whatever the less severity that somebody has of their, it doesn't, it doesn't minimize what your own personal reality experience is for you. But all that that relationship did was it tuned me into things that are making things the way that they are. And and what I found out is that it goes back from earliest days ingrained in to become belief systems. And then they're subconsciously just kind of ruling the thing. And so that's the reason why, like for just me personally, I don't want to, I'm not going to preach and I don't want to, you know, I've already told you that I'm not that type of person. I don't beat somebody over the head with my opinions or beliefs. But for me personally, you know, it was getting to this place in, in this lifetime where it was like, I was going to have to kind of really fucking figure some things out to make some important needed belief system adjustments to just have a more healthy and pleasant experience in this life. You know what I mean? And so that's the only thing that that motherfucker uh, turned me on to was just the need to have to start figuring some things out on a much deeper, a much more conscious level about what the fuck goes on based on unhealthy belief systems that get ingrained in us from early, early days of life. So I'm in the midst of I haven't even necessarily gotten my mind expanded to just explain to you what I just explained to you about what I needed to do. But I was in the thick of just knowing that I was in something very deep in my life, right? And this is early, early on when I've just gotten my baby. And so I take it out and I go a day. I go a day uh, driving just around my state, right? So I go far. If I've told you about hundreds of miles, you know, these nights, summer nights that I've been listening to songs for these podcast episodes, this was an eight hour plus, maybe closer to 12 hour day where I just went and rolled all the fuck the way up and then came all the way back. So it was just a very, very long out in the open, uh, getting my life together day. And what was going on is that when, so, and so yes, this is me, dude, this is Marvin, but this is me and Marvin. Okay. It's me and Marvin is the reason why this is what was going on. There was one song that was on repeat for that whole entire time. Okay. I've told you 
there's and I I listened back to my very first episode and I ex- I was like wow yeah I really explained this song correctly. There's one song in Marvin Gaye's entire catalog the most that helps me get my life together. And that day that I needed to just be out with the top down, driving, taking in the sights, and just being in nature and trying to let nature try and heal, which you know it it didn't work for me. Nature in itself was not enough to heal these things. I needed to, like I said I it took me finally getting a wake-up call and an actual it's in front of my face concepts and and resources and materials that I can start to learn that helped me make that turn in this situation and start making so much more progress um and it's all been self stuff you know this is not about partnering up with anybody. It's just been access to online resources and, um, you know, just knowledge that way. But before I had that exposure and that, that's what I'm saying, like a wake up call where it was just like, boom, something is just concretely put down in front of you and things are starting to be categorized and they're given names and it's being called something. And now here's the solution and the healing pathways to take. Um, you know, when you're, when you don't have that blessing yet and you're just kind of fumbling and stumbling through life, you do the best you can, right? You do the best you can to stay healthy. You do the best you can to stay uplifted. You do the best you can to stay connected to God and stay, you know, in his grace. But this was a little, it was a deeper thing, but I will tell you if I would have never have gotten that information and that healing and that help. Um, very close to it. Isn't it a 12 hour day on repeat on a Marvin Gaye song? Okay. It's just Marvin gives me my life. He really does. He keeps me together. So yeah, that's what this book kind of helps to achieve is that much, much, much deeper level connection to Marvin. You know what I'm saying? You're just going to be able to be learning and hearing from Marvin. You hear from Marvin. You hear from Marvin about Marvin. And that's really important, right? Like, it's really important to hear somebody's own knowledge and beliefs of themselves, right? Um, that's where it's <sighs> reading an article about somebody who was just given an assignment for the organization they work for to cover something about Marvin Gaye and the, the, okay so now they're going to go do their little online research and they're going to be doing a lot of talking shit there's going to be a lot of salacious material they're going to get things twisted they're not going to understand the genius with which Marvin Gaye decides to perform his live concert what's going on selections they have no fucking idea what they're talking about they don't know Marvin and not one part of that article involved Marvin Gaye talking about Marvin Gaye. Okay, when you get an opportunity to hear that, that's when you're learning about Marvin. I'm telling you about myself, right? Like I have, if I hadn't gotten an awakening, I wouldn't be explaining, you know, that phase that kind of happened in my life a couple of years back from a more enlightened uh, perspective on it. I would have been telling you about it still from like right within it and, and not having a higher, you know, farther back perspective on it. I would have been like forest in the tree or tree in the forest rather than like that aerial view from it. So when a person can get to that aerial view and they can be a little bit more just kind of, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. And yeah, this is what's fucked up about me. And they're just going to kind of tell you that. Ooh, are you talking about a connection? Yeah, that's going to happen, especially if you were already drawn to that person in the first place. So that's this book. But here's what I will say. Oh, and so I do have to wrap it up on this um, because it, it ties back into David Ritz. Um, the book is written by David Ritz. And so it has been in the time that I'm doing this podcast that like I have told you, I, I paused the Star Spangled Banner episode because I told you that I was going to come and get my hands on this book and I was going to sift through it. Of course, I knew I was going to part three, the later years of Marvin's life, and I was going to see if there was, and I will, now I'm going to say what I feel about this book, if there was supposed quotes from Marvin in here 
where he was explaining his process for why he recorded or delivered the Star Spangled Banner the way he did. And I don't, I do know what it is. It's just, there's something about David Ritz and his character. And, you know, so I'm going to, you know, try and just keep it limited. Um, but, uh, since I've been doing this podcast, I came across an online article. Um, I was looking for images of Marvin Gaye and I clicked on one that then took me to a website. And then the website was about an article that had this one picture connected to it. Right. But what it turned out to be was, and I've, I don't have this up in front of me right now, so I'm not quoting from it. I'm paraphrasing, but I know what I had seen. And it was uh, some supposed interview with Ritz talking about his process of how he sat there and wrote sexual healing for Marvin Gaye, for Marvin Gaye, because he said that he had, he was an author of books. He had written biographies on people. He's written biographies on people other than Marvin. And so that's what he had done in his life so far. He had never yet written a song. This is his first time writing a song, but he went about writing the song, just thinking about how would Marvin want it to sound and how would Marvin say certain things. And so that's how he just came up with all of the lyrics for the song. And then he, you know, he showed it to Marvin and well, when I had paused this episode to come and look for why Marvin did the Star Spangled Banner the way he did. Of course, that was around the sexual healing album time. And I swear that in this book, I came across something referring to sexual healing and how that song was written by people. People. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. Yet years later, it's written by Ritz. And then I've told you my experience of in the past liner notes, um, kind of predominantly during the nineties, right? That was when Motown was just beginning to release discs of Marvin and okay, they're releasing this one and they're releasing that one. And kind of predominantly, it seemed that these liner note booklets were being essayed up by Ritz and like I explained, I, I will tell you the album. Let me just tell you the album. I think I already did tell you the album. It is the In Our Lifetime album. I made the mistake of I got that disc and before I listened to note one of it, I sat there and I read through this entire article written by Ritz and it just broke me down on Marvin. It, it, it hurt my heart. It, it broke my, it, it hurt my spirit about Marvin. It hurt my pride that I have about Marvin. It, it was definitely, I walked away just knowing that I had sat there and I read so much of somebody talking so much shit about somebody that you care for so much, right? Somebody that you're so connected to, somebody that you take it very personally if you read a lot of very negative stuff about them. And that was, at the end of reading that, that is all, my heart is feeling that right now. You know what I'm saying? I feel like my physical core feels that pressure. You know, when you just take on a whole bunch of material that's very negative about somebody that you perceive in a very different way. And so all of that was ingested before I listened to note one of that album. And so, of course, that's going to do a mind fuck on you, right? It's going to do a coloring. It's going to do a prejudging. It's going to do a lot of sifting that you have to go through. And you just have to rely on what you know to be the truth for yourself about somebody and your experience with somebody. And it's like, okay, but this is what I say, like... Marvin, I get a lot of the time a feeling that there's just like this kind of very salacious uh, mindsets that people have about him, that he was a very intentional this or that way person, right? And I, I, I totally disagree. I think that there can be experiences that people have on the very inside of a relationship with somebody, right? And you're exposed to somebody's a personality and their idiosyncrasies and the things that are fucked up about them the day in and the day out that's not always the exposure to the the best efforts of everybody right i marvin was a human i don't think that in anything that was flawed about him he was on any more you know so you know higher level of that than the average joe and I, here's what i will just say and this is the only time that i'm ever going to say this if there was something that maybe had him on a little bit higher level 
where do we fucking think that came from? It goes to everything that I have just been explaining about from early childhood intake. These things form belief systems that subconsciously rule us until we get a handle on that and heal. Marvin was killed by his father. From early childhood on days, you are going to have a perception of a parent not loving you. That is going to form belief systems that are going to result. Okay. If there was anything about Marvin in any of his flaws that maybe was a little bit more pronounced than someone else, trust and believe that had a source and a reason and it played out. And that's the only time I'm ever going to address that. But I just don't appreciate then whenever I read things about Marvin from anybody, I don't give a fuck if they were his wife. And it comes across as if he just kind of had a mode of operation that it was about this and it was about that. And it was about this manipulation and that negativity. It's like, I don't appreciate that being a predominant narrative that you're giving on him. His music is too pure. His music is too worldwidely um, helpful that save the children is just too global. It's too today. It's too till the end of time. Somebody that can create it and generate that doesn't have that side. And then plus a so much other of negativity and hatred and, 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 you know, mind fucking games going on. It's just, it's not, it's not a predominant part of that person. So, um, a thing that I don't appreciate about this book, looking at it from a 40 year old set of eyes from the original 15 year old set of eyes is that when I come in here and I get into anything that is not in the quotation, and I'm, I will say this again, the supposed quotation marks of Marvin Gaye, and it gets into just the narrative of Ritz. So now you're getting Ritz's flavor. You're getting Ritz's color. You're getting Ritz's take. It's a hate filled, talking shit. Um, just, you know, and this is what I realized. This book goes through to the end of Marvin Gaye's life. Ritz's perceived offenses from Marvin have happened and are ingrained in him. And I believe it's the perspective that he's coming from when he delivers this book Essay after essay after essay on Marvin since then, interview after interview after interview on Marvin since then, co-writing John Gay's book since then. I, the exact same color and tone and ugly flavor that I get from any part of this divided soul book that I pick up as I have been trying to rely on John Gay's book as a resource for factual information. Anytime there can be any of that. So my Hawaii episode, the only fucking thing that I was able to pull out of John's chapter about Hawaii is two facts. That's the only thing that I gave a fuck about after I read that whole fucking chapter that had all of this blend of all of this Ritz flavored ugliness. It was like, it was like, fuck, dude. I was just trying. Okay. The only thing that I'm going to say that I got out of reading John Gay's chapter on Hawaii is that fucking two times she went with Marvin to Kahala, Oahu, and Maui. Now, after that, I don't need to relay any of the bullshit from that chapter to you guys, okay? You read that book if you want to. But I'm disappointed that it's just a continuation of the ugly take that somebody seems to have on him. So, hmm... There's a blend of facts and then there was a blend of bullshit in both books. So I would say you have to have your own grounding, your own belief in Marvin, your own knowledge of what Marvin provides to your day to day life. And this book can just simply be a resource to give you some factual information on top of it. I would definitely just have your mind heightened and aware and know and recognize when you're taking in something that someone else has offered to you about Marvin. And it's coming from a less than respectful place. It's coming from a less than I am an adorer, an admirer of Marvin Gaye. Not to say that that's the only thing that you, you know, would 
ever have to process about Marvin, but there's, you're not listening to this podcast if you're looking for controversy about Marvin, if you're looking for something that's talking shit about Marvin. I just already told you that is never, ever, 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 ever going to be something that you'll receive from this. And I know that's the reason why you feel safe to be listening to this episode after episode, because that's where we're going with this. But yeah, so that's my from day one experience of the book to day now experience of the book. It's like, I just have more knowledge of this author of this book. Um, it, one last thing that I will say is like, I read, I will pick this book up, you know, and I flip to any given page and I see some quotes of supposed things that Marvin Gaye said. I, I really am taking it that far. I, I really have to stress that I, I say supposed things that Marvin Gaye said. And, the lack of follow-up. This is the way I, I would look at an opportunity to have had a conversation with Marvin Gaye and my journalism background and uh, follow-up, uh, having conversations with someone. You don't even have to be a journalist. It's, it's called having an in-depth conversation. Uh, I say something. Do you have a question about that? Do you have a follow-up question about that? Would you like a little bit more detail about that? Did I maybe vaguely state something that I need to further explain that after I just said something to you, you would like to dig a little bit deeper? Like, could we keep on this topic? Could we explore that a little bit more? Could you elaborate a little bit on what you just said? The lack of which that seems to happen in this book. So, yeah. Um, your first diving into, I don't know, Marvin Gaye's life story. Yes. You're, you know enough about Marvin Gaye's music and you know enough about the joy and the value that he brings to your life. You're going to guard that and you're not going to allow somebody's talking shit to color and over, you know, power that or overshadow that. Guard yourself. That's all that I just, you just, when you approach this man's material on Marvin Gaye, you have to guard yourself. You have to guard your experience with Marvin to just know that you're going to have to sift. You're going to have to have a little sifter. You're going to have to dump all of that shit in and you're going to have to sift out his bullshit to just be able to take in the things that will benefit and, and value, add value to your knowledge of Marvin Gaye for yourself. Okay. That is the episode on the biography of Marvin Gaye. Um, we will be talking to you soon. Oh, here's one thing I want to just address. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to apologize. I, I, I don't have anything to apologize about, but I do just need to address this with you guys. Um, there's no schedule, right, for this thing. There is no set schedule. Okay. Um, I guess like if I, just to be respectful, if I was going to say I apologize about that, like I, I'm learning that podcasts are like a thing, right? And, um, people do subscribe because they like to rely on it. Like their weekly, like handmaid's tale, right? Like, Oh, I know every day of the week and time of the day that this is coming on. I, I can't give it to you like that. I'm not a robot. Uh, it's just like, I'm going to go to Marvin's experience with his, his creating his art, right? Like I really do feel that a, a big part of Marvin's career was timetabled for him like that. And so I am just amazed at the degree and the depth and the beauty that he was able to give us having to be on such a restricted, pumped out, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Schedule. You have to be creative. You have to be creative. You have to deliver product schedule. Um, I can't do that. I, I need to be in touch with the music. I need to be in touch with where I first was with that music. I need to like go back to that place. I've told you like that's 26 years ago for most of this material. So, and it's not that I haven't listened to it for 26 years, but it's a taking myself back to that first ever perspective of it is, I, people, I listen to songs and I can't even stay focused on what I am trying to suss out of the details of it because for 26, I, 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 those aren't details to me anymore. It's just the whole entire song. Like I, I just, the song is done and then I'm like, oh shit, I didn't pay attention to where does he do that? So that is, the schedule that I'm on for this. 
I try and, and hit you guys up on a mostly weekly basis, but there, there may be lags in time in between it. And I just need to acknowledge that to you though. Don't feel like I'm, I'm, um, uh, walking away from this project at all. I just perhaps need a little bit more time to come up with some type of quality content for you. I don't want things to deviate. I feel like possibly that Hawaii episode, it deviated a little bit. I didn't, I feel like possibly I didn't focus enough on Marvin and I don't ever want that to be the deviations that are taking place on this. This is about Marvin. And so if I am like not really delivering an episode that is mostly about Marvin, then shame on me. And that just lets me know I need to take a little bit more time to get it together. So Definitely appreciate your time. Definitely appreciate every listen that you're tuning in for and that you're giving to me. And um, we will be talking to you soon. Thanks. Love you. Bye. Well, friends, that's it for this episode. Did we have fun? I had fun. (laughs) Subscribe to our show so you never miss the enduring gifts of Marvin Gaye. And we're excited to announce that you can follow us on Pinterest at our page, pinterest.com forward slash Marvin Gaye underscore enduring underscore gifts. There, you can see our gorgeous picture boards for each podcast episode, among many others. These boards are full of images of Marvin capturing key moments from each episode. We're making this a listening and viewing experience for you. So until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>